there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you're listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of entrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I am joined by Charlo Green, the host of The Weed Show, um, and end of other fame, which we'll get to in a bit, but how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing phenomenally. How are you? I, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm I'm real excited to have you uh, on on the Entrepreneur.com podcast. Um, you know, I'm excited I, to be on. I love your newsletter. I love all the content that you guys have been putting out for so long. It's great. We we appreciate that. You know, we we try to we we really do try hard to uh, you know kind of cover some of the best industry stuff that we can find. Um, but this isn't about us. This is about you and. <laughs> Um, you know, so I, I mean, we got to start from the beginning. Uh, you are, you are the infamous Charlotte Green. Um, <laughs> infamous. Infamous. Um, you, you know, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I have to talk to you briefly about the fuck it, I quit event. Um, that kind of launched you into this, you know, as a counterculture star, um, but what I want you to do is I want you to, can you walk me through that time period leading up to that moment, a little less about the moment itself, just, you know, what was going on at that time? Well, I was working as a journalist at the CBS affiliate in Anchorage, Alaska. I was assigned the weed beat um, and flown to Colorado and Washington to show Alaskans what our state would look like if we legalized medical recreational marijuana. So we had already legalized medical in 1998, but there were no dispensaries or anything. So this was our first look at the cannabis industry um, in lieu of our vote coming up that November to legalize adult use. So while there, I met patients that were using it to save their lives, literally for the first time. And um, that opened my eyes up to what this plant that I had privately been consuming for years could really do. So I met patients in Alaska and I, my heart went out to them. Um, they didn't have access to this plant that they believed could save their lives. Um, and I knew I was likely the only person who had the empathy and connections needed to change something when it came to that. So I used my role as a journalist to talk to the state's top attorneys, the chief of police, um, head prosecutors, all of that, uh, to figure out a way to make the law that Alaskans legalized in 98 for medical marijuana real for its patients. And with all that um, R&D, <laughs> I went ahead and created the Alaska Cannabis Club, a private patient association. So that was 420 of 2014. Um, leading up to November, the vote, support for marijuana legalization slipped from the upper 50s to lower 40s. Um, this was a matter of maybe five, six months. So I knew um, there was something, the campaign wasn't doing it. There was some message that wasn't hitting home to us Alaskans. I knew something would have to be done if we were going to get the rest of the state's patients access that weren't able to join the Alaska Cannabis Club. So I decided to use my position to draw attention to the vote on legalization 
and live on TV after an interview aired where I spoke with the club's youngest member who is 21 years old and battling testicular cancer um, who credited the Alaska Cannabis Club for giving him that second chance at life, a chance at recovery. Um, After that aired, I said live on TV, everything you heard is why I, the actual owner of the Alaska Cannabis Club, will be dedicating all of my energy and attention toward fighting for freedom and fairness, which begins with legalizing marijuana here in Alaska. As for this job, well, not that I have a choice, but fuck it, I quit. And so that went viral, very viral. And from there, I just used all of my energy and attention, like I said I would, um, toward the effort to register as many people to vote as possible, first and foremost. We only had about two weeks to do that. Now that everyone knew for the first time that we were voting on marijuana legalization, we had to make sure they were eligible to show up. So every time anyone wanted a selfie with me while I was still crazy, like, are you registered to vote? I had tons and tons of people across the state of Alaska become registrars just so we could, like, capture all of that momentum. So we registered thousands of people to vote. We traveled and crisscrossed the entire state of Alaska and managed to turn that, I think it was 43% um, support for ballot measure two um, before fuck it to 53%. We legalized marijuana in Alaska. Um, and yeah, so so that, that's the full story. A lot of people only hear the fuck it thing, like I was mad at my job. Absolutely not. I loved my career. There was just something that needed what my platform could do more than my ego needed that job. Did you expect the results? Did you expect it to go viral the way that it did? Did I expect the results of the vote? Of, of uh, the I, of the of the of, of what happened with the clip? I hoped that Alaska would at least know that there was a vote to legalize weed coming up. Like that was the end goal. And it did that. I had no idea that I would be able to travel to places like Ireland and Spain and Central America to speak about cannabis because of that statement. Absolutely not. And that year you won the High Times Courage and Media Award. Uh, congratulations. You know, that's, that's a huge uh, deal for, you know, activists and, and, and especially somebody who, you know, you were, you were a legitimate journalist. Um, yeah, I actually think they created that for me. They created that. <laughs> um, so so how, how important? How important? You know, was was that to you at that time? You know, did it did it kind of validate what you were doing? Because I know that when we covered it, uh, when it initially happened, uh, there was a lot of kind of disparaging comments being thrown your way. So was this sort of a vindication to you? And did you experience those comments? <laughs> What's <laughs> funny is. Um, no, I, this is the first time I'm hearing that you guys had anything negative to say about it. I probably wouldn't even be talking no, to you us. right now if I had known that. No, not us. It was, it was comments like on the, uh, on, you know, on the Facebook, the social media stuff. 
Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. If you were talking about it, then you were probably talking about the issue at hand. Why would I feel the need to step away from this career? What is really going on with marijuana? And then you look to the facts and they challenge everything that you've ever been taught about cannabis. Um, Does it bother me that people get me wrong a lot of the time? No, I'm very busy. I really couldn't care less. I don't know if any busy people or any people that are concerned with helping other people or changing the world for better are concerned about what people have to say about their efforts. (laughs) No, I I mean, I look, I'm I'm just, you know, it's just something that... That's my take on it. Like, absolutely, no, 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 absolutely not. It didn't bother me then because I was busy like flying nine hours west to this tiny village in Alaska, like in the thick of it right afterward, we were busy hitting the campaign trail, like following through on everything that we said we were going to do. We had a lot to change. We had a lot to pass. So no, I didn't, most of them didn't even reach me. It was an overwhelmingly positive response. So I would think I'd have to be a really negative person to try and dwell on what a few haters that had nothing to contribute to the end goal had to say. So that same year, you were uh, listed as uh, one of the 13 most potent women in the pot industry. And something that I've noticed uh, in my reporting and and when I go and visit, you know, when I go to the cannabis cops and I go to, you know, tour dispensaries and stuff like that, is, is a lot of companies in the cannabis space, it seems more so, are women-led than other traditional uh, industries. So I'm just sort of wondering, is, is what's your take on what I see as a trend? <laughs> to imply that it's a trend, um, you would imply that it was temporary. I think this is just what time it is. <laughs> okay. Like, this is, it's our time as as women, just not even the fact that we're women, we're able-bodied business people and we don't have to work in someone else's system or follow what every other CEO has looked like or what the, no, we're creating what the industry looks like now. Um, The fact that most of us are women, I think that's just the cream rising to the top. I really have to agree with you is, is you have this industry that, that also relies so much on, you know, on a, on, this, on a very sick population a lot of times. And, you know, you see that the big pharmaceutical companies, I mean, who's running those and you have, all, you have all these issues and then you have a lot more females in a space. I think that that necessitates the kind of compassion um, that, you know, most females have over their male counterparts for sure. Yeah, I could definitely second that. I want to talk to you a little bit more about diversity in the cannabis space, but before we do that, we got to take a short break. This is the Godentrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfault. This episode of the Godentrepreneur.com podcast is made possible by Name.com, a global provider of domain name, web hosting, and email services. Every successful cannabis business needs an online presence, and every successful online presence begins with a domain. 
From your website to your email address, a good domain is easy for your customers to remember, it looks nice on a business card or billboard, and it reflects the true identity of the project it represents. It's important to reserve your domain early on when you are starting your business, as you may find that the .com address for your preferred brand or concept has already been taken. If somebody has already purchased the ideal .com for your business, they might be willing to sell it. But if they aren't, you may have to get creative with one of the new alternate domain extensions, such as .co, .club, .shop, or even .farm. Reserve your domain name today at name.com slash gonjapreneur. If you are a domain name investor or venture capital firm interested in acquiring or advertising premium cannabis domains, go to the Gondrepreneur domain market to browse a wide variety of names, including strains.com, cannabismedia.com, mj.com, and countless others. Discover branding opportunities for your next startup and learn about listing your premium domain names for sale at gondrepreneur.com slash domains, sponsored by name.com. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Branfault, here with Charlotte Green, host of The Weed Show. So before the break, we were talking about diversity in the cannabis space, so I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, Oakland has kind of the most famous equity laws uh, going. They're designed to provide reparations uh, for those mostly adverse, most uh, adversely affected by cannabis laws. Uh, in Maryland, the Legislative Black Caucus has been pushing for equity language in the bill. Um, as the industry matures and more states legalize, do you think more legislation should include these types of equity policies? And do you even think that they do enough to, to help people that were definitely most affected by the by drug laws uh no they certainly don't do enough but it is definitely a start and do i think they're needed moving forward well if you look at the places that have legalized colorado washington um they don't have anything. Um, they're not working on anything, any sort of reparations, anything to address the harm that the drug war has caused communities of color. So if this is going to be addressed, then it is absolutely necessary that it's written into the language from the jump. Um, Oakland was the start. I know Los Angeles recently passed um, Measure M which also included equity language. So, yeah, I, I hope this is the trend moving forward. It's the right thing to do when you look at the facts and what the drug war has done to communities of color. It makes sense that the drug war also helped to heal that damage. And when you were working on the, the push in Alaska, um, was this something that was included in Alaska's language? No, we passed a really shitty law in Alaska. It was just another marijuana policy project law. Um, they didn't really look at the needs of the local communities in the campaign language, saying they were going to regulate it like alcohol. Um, I think that was one of the things that missed the people most when you're in a state where alcohol is the number one cause of death. Um, people aren't going to welcome that statement so much. So, so no, we passed a, a not great law. You've kind of parlayed your media background into the weed show. 
Um, you're obviously allowed to be yourself more than any typical news show. Um, you can cover what you want. Uh, you, you get blazed, right? You know, I mean, you open the show ripping dabs, you know, <laughs> he, heating up the nail, right? That's like, that's like one of my favorite parts of the show is that sound. It's, really, it's, 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 it's just so such funny. a, it's such a nice sound to hear a torch hitting a nail, you know? Um, so, so given your experience, you know, and, and how, and your exit from, from the, the broadcasting industry, the news industry, why did you take a step back into, into a media role? Well, this is what I love to do. As I stated before, I was living my dream job, um, being able to share incredible stories, to step into people's lives, fascinating lives, and share that with the public in hopes of educating them. That's everything. So the fact that I have the opportunity to do it now um, with a subject that I know is changing the world with people that I know are changing the world. That is an incredible blessing. So what else would I be doing? (laughs) Like I'm one of those weird people that love what they do. I, I, I mean, it's it's it, coming from a you know a, a print background, and and kind of moving into the cannabis space it, it, more so than I than I write hard news anymore. Um, I, do you think that that having a show about weed or, or dedicating what is your passion to weed? Do you think that just adds to not only like your passion for what you're doing, but also kind of your credibility as somebody who is. I mean, seeing seeing this industry from every aspect. Well, I would hope that it does. I just show up and do what I can to deliver the most engaging, informative, and usable information about cannabis. Like that, at the end of the day, that is the mission for the show. That's what I show up and what my entire team shows up to do. So, um, I I. Yeah, my experience definite. I think it's when you look at other cannabis content, I, I think it's pretty clear that I have a background in this, more experienced than most um, that are putting out cannabis content. And I hope that resonates with the audience. I mean, I'm just doing what I love to do. I didn't want to step away from it in the first place. So now I get to do it on weed. And that's that's just that's just everything. That's full circle. On your March twenty second show, the, the the weed show episode, uh, you began the show and you were talking about the SWAT raid deaths uh, report from the New York Times, and also the arrest of Mark and Jody Emery up in Canada. Um, given your background, not to mention your own experiences, what's your take on how the media reports on cannabis centric stories? It's so irresponsible. It's just, there's no questioning the the press release that they're given by the authorities. It's just as if mainstream media acts as a megaphone for whatever the police want to justify or however the police want to justify their actions. I, just the other day, I was reading this story out of the Denver Post of all places, and they were talking about the plant count thing, how they're um, limiting patient plant counts from 99 to 12 or 6. And the headline was, um, Colorado moves to limit plant counts to combat cartels and just that's I, I don't like we all 
most of us have gone to journalism school, especially at the Denver Post level. You know what that headline as a statement does. It makes you believe that there are all of these cartels running amok, but then you go there and you meet the people that are being raided, that are being classified as these cartels that they're using to justify changing these laws. It's parents of really, really sick kids that need those plants. It, it's, it makes me really, really upset. <laughs> it really pisses me the fuck off that a place like Denver, the Denver Post would run something so irresponsibly. So the fact that that is the most advanced area in our nation when it comes to cannabis, accepting cannabis, and that's what they're running, that just lets you know what's happening in all these other places. Um, when I was raided, what was it? Huge drug bust. I think that's what um, one of these local, one of the local papers called it, um, because that's what the police asked them to, and that wasn't at all the case. So it just misleads the public's perception of cannabis, what cannabis is doing, um, and how it's affecting the community. And it's not fair because it costs patients medicine, and that costs them lives. Well, and, and to, to your point is when Jeff Sessions has said anything, uh, you know, Spicer says anything, the, the media, both, both the cannabis media and the mainstream media, take what he says and they, you know, in, on one hand, you're creating a panic in an industry. That's what you're doing. You're, you're scaring people. Um, and on the other hand, you know, Two days after he says, you know, we're, we're going to have a crackdown, he says, oh, I'm probably going to keep parts of this coal memo. But it's, it's how much, you know, the, the mainstream media, I think, hams on what he said two days ago, you know, that scares the industry rather than the good news. Well, I mean, you also have to remember that mainstream media has a job to do, and that job is keeping their doors open and selling advertising. And if we can create a panic because of a statement, um, then we know we're going to get more clicks, and that means more dollars. So, so I think that's just something that hopefully everyone understands by now after seeing how the election went. <laughs> Um, but, but I know most people don't, so that just sucks. If it bleeds, it leads, right? You know, I think that, I think we learned that in journalism 101, huh? Literally that quote in itself, if it bleeds, it leads. So it's irresponsible. Um, the cartel, it's just, it's so messy, which is why you have to check out the Gontrepreneur, why you have to watch The Weed Show with Charlotte Green and get your information from people that, like, I feel like we have a dog in this fight. When you're a journalist, like, I remember covering crime courts and being sent to do these obituary stories where you just go in there for an afternoon, uh, gather the, and just, like, sum up someone's life in 90 seconds maximum and then you just move on regardless of whatever consequence that has on whoever is left and I, I feel like it's different with us covering this like this is our community um, we're here you know? Absolutely. Um, 
a lot of us within the community, we, we're trying to work together, you know, um, and, you know, I, I personally, you know, I, I'll watch the weed show and I, I, I'll get story ideas from time to time, you know, and, and not like, not like I'm trying to bite off of you guys, but, you know, I got a different medium to work with. Absolutely. And you get, you send out your newsletter at like noonish our time. We usually have our story meeting by then, but we'll check that out and be like, do we need to add anything? Do we need to take away anything? Are there any updates that they've sent out? Because we know to trust you guys as a credible source. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, so I want to uh, move on a little bit. I want to talk about who, uh, some of your other current projects. Uh, but before we do that, we've got to take our last break. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfold. National Cannabis Industry Association presents the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th to the 14th at the Oakland Marriott City Center in Oakland, California. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Meet industry leaders over three days of informative sessions and visit hundreds of vendors along the more than 80,000 square feet of sold-out expo floor. Hear from over 100 thought leaders headlined by feature keynote speaker, former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox. Join us at the epicenter of the cannabis movement sponsored by the industry's only National Trade Association, the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th through the 14th. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brantfault, here with the infamous Charlo Green, host of The Weed Show. Hello. Uh, before the break, uh, we're, we're kind of chatting about the, the state of uh, the, the cannabis media, if you will. But I want to move on from that, talk about your current projects. Um, what are you doing? I'm hearing something about a CBD beauty products line that's in the works. Yes, it's a CBD skincare line. CBD Beauty is the brand. CBDbodyandbeauty.com is the website. We have a few products that we're introducing initially. Um, they're really, really great. We've been market testing them for the last several months. I've been using them exclusively for about the same amount of time, and my skin has never been better. Um, it just, when you think about how miraculous cannabis is, it just makes sense that it also worked miracles on your face, and that's what we bottled up. So super excited to be introducing CBD Beauty. So t- tell me more about what the, the, the benefits of using CBD as a, as a skincare product, as a beauty care product. I'm, look, at, I'm a guy who, you know, I haven't touched lotion to my skin since... 2001. So, 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 so could you just tell me more about, you know, some of the benefits of, uh, of using CBD as a beauty product? Well, absolutely. CBD acts as an anti-inflammatory and antibacterial and antifungal. Um, it's also hemp derived and hemp is super rich and nourishing when it comes to moisturization and just getting in there. So it's cbdbodyandbeauty.com. In addition to all of the different CBD retinol skin creams and apple stem cell face creams, um, we also have like super nourishing healing pain balms. So all of that's in the mix. Um, as a guy, you would probably choose one of our pain balms or our day to night face cream. Um, all of it's super nourishing. 
I, I, I can uh, attest actually to the to CBD pain balm. I did get some from a, a friend of mine who stopped by. Uh, he's mm-hmm. actually a grower from uh, California. He stopped by, and he, his girlfriend actually left me some because you know I have some joint issues, and I mean I, I use that stuff and. I'm I'm really I'm pain free, you know. It's it, I wasn't expecting that at all. It's crazy how effective cannabis is as a topical, isn't it? Like the first time you put it on, you're like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll work. Some weed is awesome, of course it is, but it's miraculous. It, it's crazy effective. When did you find time with your with the weed show and and other you know your your travels? How did you find time to start developing this? Um, well, I've partnered with a lab um, that is FDA certified. Um, so they've been working on all the formulations and making sure everything is straight there. But I have an amazing team that works on the weed show. Um, and I've reeled in my traveling quite a bit. So <laughs> I'm based in LA now. Um, don't do too much moving around from here. I do um, have a couple of speeches to give in, I think, Germany and Jamaica in the next several months. But this is where it's at. La La Land. I love it out here. <laughs> um, so, so lastly, the, the, what I wanted to talk to you about is, is what advice would you have for entrepreneurs? I mean, you've you've talked to you know, I'm sure thousands of, of folks looking to get into the industry, and I'm sure you've been asked the question thousand times. But you know, the, what advice do you have for people looking to get into this space? Do what you know will feed your soul instead of approaching work how we've been traditionally taught to come at it knowing that work is a part of your life it's not work separate from life and when you factor that in do something that you'll love (laughs) giving most of your energy to something that you'll be proud of something that you would love to tell your kids about. So this is the opportunity for you to do and be just about anything that you actually want to. And the fact that this industry is growing so rapidly, um, the fact that there are so many things that we need as entrepreneurs, um, so many spaces to fill for patients, it, it would be really, really, it would be a miss if you just did something for the money. The money is going to come. Just make sure that you're doing or taking advantage of this opportunity to do what you actually want to. Your story is, is you know, really incredible. Just, um, you know, and, and sort of, you know, watching it from a journalist's perspective, you know, a, a guy who has often wanted to, you know, say, fuck it, I quit, you know, in front of, in front of thousands of people, um, you know, at that point, you know, I was kind of pulled in, and then to to watch watch your story unfold, and um, you know, and that now to get you know a little more idea of of how integral you were in Alaska, um, you know, it, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your schedule uh, for us, and um, uh, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks you for having me on. 
You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. <laughs>